You are listening to the Enormo cast. We gotta get Listen, uh, uh, where are you playing in town? You, are you playing here? We're doing the, uh, the Enormo Dome, whatever it is. It's terrific. Oh, it's yeah, big place. That's, out. That's a big nice. place. You sold it out. I'll say, you really should. Look, you better get up there before you panic. Those pens are loose. You're very good. I have really enjoyed playing with you. We'll make it. I don't think so. But we shall continue with style. Good weather. Bad weather. Now or later, anytime. Today's show is brought to you by Black Diamond Equipment with support from Maxim Ropes. And Defiant Bean is now Bonfire Coffee. How did that happen? Don't worry about it. Jeff is still roasting delicious coffee that will delight your taste buds and will make you feel, smell, and seem more sophisticated. Go to bonfirecoffee.com and enter Normo at checkout for a discount. And now back to the show. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Enormal Cast. This is your host, Chris Caloose. It is July 31st, about 8.30 Mountain Standard Time, which means I'm on time for a change, which is cool. On today's show, episode 62, a conversation with boulderer Angie Payne that I recorded up in Lander in the mobile studio in the park up in Lander a couple weeks ago. I sat down for a certain type of interview with Angie, something I had in my head, and I got something completely different, which I thought was really cool. We actually ended up talking about bouldering for an hour in a roundabout way, bouldering, although we went a lot deeper than that. And we uh, managed to never use the term V, not a single time, actually. So if you are interested in uh, Angie's resume, as it were, as a climber, we don't talk too much about it here, um, but she has been one of the premier boulders the last decade, certainly one of the best female boulders posting up grades like V12 and V13, whatever that even means. I have no idea. I don't know. That's what the Google's good for. The Google will tell you all about a resume. We don't talk too much about that. We get into sort of the inner world of somebody who seemed like everything was perfect on the outside, but uh, wasn't all entirely perfect on the inside. I think a lot of folks will identify with some of the struggles that Angie went through, especially some of the women listeners. As I mentioned in the interview, there's a certain type and brand and flavor of overachieving that women know a little bit more about than guys do. We've got our own type, but anybody who has struggled with that or knows somebody who has, uh, this should be pretty interesting for you. I think this one should be called Type A for Angie. Hey there. Before we get to the show, I want to remind you guys that Black Diamond Equipment is one of the main sponsors of the Cast. And like the Cast, Black Diamond knows that the surefire way to keep climbers happy is to give them free shit, which is why they are now sponsoring the Mountain Project iPhone and Android app, something you formerly had to pay for, is now free thanks to Black Diamond. Download this app, download the cliff you're headed to, and you will have all the information you need at your fingertips. And there you have it. The Mountain Project app for iPhone and Android. Used to cost money, now it's free. Hey, 
Yeah, so I'm sitting at the Lander Climbing Fest 2014 in the mobile studio, which made it to Lander again without any problems so far other than I ran out of gas up at Sinks yesterday. <laughs> and um, sitting here with Angie Payne, who's uh, a climber from Boulder, Colorado, originally from Cincinnati. You live in Boulder now, right? I do, yeah. yeah. So welcome to the studio. It's a little warm in here. I apologize for that. Thanks for having me. No, it's okay. It's not... It's not humid, so I can handle it. Yeah, you're you're a Midwest girl, so you, you, you know what it's like <laughs> to swim around in humidity. Um, but yeah, I'm excited because a couple few episodes ago, I had Chris Schulte on, and uh, the sort of joke in that was he was my gateway boulderer because I really hadn't in 60 interviews or 60 episodes, I hadn't really interviewed a boulderer, and uh, you know, and he, like most climbers and most boulders, corrected me pretty quickly, like yeah, but I have climbed on a rope and I do do these other <laughs> things, but you know. Not to pigeonhole anybody, but you know we, we all have, are known for one thing over another, and, and you're definitely yeah. known for bouldering. So, so yeah, now we've got uh, uh, the female version of my <laughs> gateway boulderer. That's so now right. I'm going to peer into this other world, <laughs> yep. or maybe kind of cross over. So, but I just pigeonholed you as a boulder. But you know, I guess my first question might just be like, what kind of climber are you? I mean, where where does that all fit together? Well, I think it's interesting too that you say people have to. You know, yeah, but I don't just boulder, and I'm pretty. I'm. I, I don't have much shame in admitting that I. I'm a boulderer, uh-huh. and I love bouldering. I did sport climb. Here I go doing what everybody does. I did sport climb when I was younger. Love it, but bouldering. When I found bouldering, I found found my my climbing. I felt like that was where I really discovered my climbing for myself, and that's still what I do mostly is boulder. Right. I have dabbled in other things kind of pretend sometimes that I have endurance and that I remember how to sport climb, but it shaped my climbing style, sport climbing, but bouldering is is still my thing. So r- embedded in there, you said when you discovered bouldering, can we go kind of back to that and, and yeah, talk a little definitely. bit about your, your beginnings Yep. and where, where and how did you discover climbing and bouldering? So when I was 11, I started in a climbing gym. I was in the climbing gym generation. Uh, that's That was was climbing for me at first. And that's in Ohio? In Ohio, Cincinnati, Ohio, born and raised. Lived there until I was 18. Um, Yeah, my parents parents took me, my my brother and my dad took me to the climbing gym. And I was just a root climber for five years, exclusively root climbing. Mm -hmm. There wasn't really a ton of bouldering in the gym that I started in, which was RockQuest in Cincinnati. And then I got to the adolescent phase and felt like I wanted to do something on my own. Mm -hmm. I had been climbing with my dad. He was my climbing partner. We went to the gym twice a week and trained at the gym in my garage, like little home gym. And so I didn't, I'm not really clear. How old are you? I'm 29. And so this puts us back, uh, like, like 18 years. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll do the math here. So we're talking about the nineties. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So when you say there wasn't a lot of bouldering, I can imagine that. I mean, gyms, especially in the Midwest, were yeah. kind of in their fledgling years of and really yeah. focused on sort of root climbing training. Yeah. The there was a bouldering gym in Cincinnati that I ended up going to mm-hmm. more once I became a teenager and decided to start bouldering. But the gym Rockwest was really focused on mm-hmm. root climbing. It was one of the really nice root climbing gyms in the country. I oh, think okay. at that time it was right. sort of bigger for its you know, for the the market at the time. When I go back now, it doesn't feel as big, obviously. Sure. You know, that's how it is when you go back when you're older. But 
it was it was a really nice gym. So were your was your dad and brother climbers before you, or is this, or did you they guys all kind of decide no, this yeah, was something you guys were going to do? My brother, I don't know, he had a friend who had gone, and he went, and then you know he wanted to go back, so my dad took him, and I was jealous, like, well, why why can't I go? And so then they took me the sure, next time. So it was sure. just a a fun little activity, and it quickly turned into the thing that we did. Right, right. Yeah, so we did it together for a long time, me and my older brother. We climbed together, took lessons together for a couple of months. He sort of bailed out because I got better than him. <laughs> I think he couldn't take it. <laughs> um, and then my younger brother got involved. Right. Okay. And so the whole family, really. My mom didn't climb much, but um, my dad was my climbing partner for, right. for like five years. And I got involved in competitions pretty quickly. So, yeah. So, uh, I mean, that's kind of like this, I guess, sort of modern tale of... of you know, everybody discovering climbing just through a climbing gym. Yep. And I mean, do you have any idea like when your dad and, you know, decided to take your brother and then you like where, I mean, was he driving by? Did he read about it somewhere? Do you have any idea like what the impetus was? I really don't know. I know that it was, you know, my brother's friend. Who, I mean, I'm kind of jealous. Like, yeah, you know, I, like, I, I wish my dad so had been like. so weird when I look back because we weren't really involved in the outdoor world at all in Cincinnati and my family particular, particularly wasn't, we were, you know, we went camping. Mm -hmm. That was the, once a year, my dad took us on a camping trip with his, with his friends and their kids. Mm -hmm. And I loved playing in the woods and that was the outdoors for me. But climbing was never involved in that. It was just climbing was, was what I did in the gym. Sure. I did go to the Red River Gorge. I started going there more once I had climbed a little bit and got on a team, a youth team, and we went down there. And then, you know, that that became more regular. But I, yeah, climbing for me in the beginning was was climbing on plastic in the gym. Right, and you know that's another sort of world that uh, I like to kind of peer into. You yeah. Know? Um, and I I talked about this last time. Like, obviously, for me, bouldering. One of the reasons I ended up not talking to a lot of boulders is because I don't, I'm not very good at it and it's not really my thing. But I then realized, well, that's a perfect reason to talk to people about right. it and, you know, <laughs> hopefully get me excited about it. You know, talking to Chris got me more excited about it. But also gym climbing, you know, um, I, I say this on the show a lot, but, you know, I, I existed in a pre gym era to a certain extent when I first started climbing. And I came from the Midwest as well. I was Chicago, although I did uh, live in Loveland. Uh, Ohio, <laughs> outside of Cincinnati for, for a few years of my life as well. But, you know, just kind of that path towards climbing is really interesting to me because I think of it as such an outdoor activity. You yep. know, it's it's integrated in those two things. and then, But then realizing, obviously, it's like a, a sport like any other, and kids get into it for all sorts of different reasons. And yep. what I kind of was thinking about, though, too, is, is how quickly and how important did competition – uh, play into it for you? It was very important. I just just read a thing that I had written about my climbing when I was young, and it said when I started competing, I'd only been climbing for 11 months. So the first competition I did was in my first year of climbing, and I did well. It was, a, you know, I was in the, the young girls' category there maybe were two other girls there it was a very small local competition but it was the first time that i really felt like i excelled at something Uh and the competition sort of validated that i think and i grew up in a very structured midwestern 
family. A very, you know, there's a certain pattern in the Midwest. It seems about how you go about things and what sure. success is and what what you need to do. At least in my family, it was. I, I was raised with this idea of like, if you're good at something, then you do this to pr- to show that you're good at it and to have something to work towards mm-hmm. and. So, you know, you, you do well in a competition and that's success. And so I just, that I fell into that. And a lot of my friends were involved in organized sports. Right. And I sort of wanted my own organized sport. Mm-hmm. And the competitions really provided that organization and that feeling of, okay, this is something that I do. And look, it's, it's valid. There's these competitions and we, we have this structure around it. And that was climbing for me. And I know that that goes, uh, that, that's so different than, than some people's experience. In climbing, you know, their early experiences especially. But, yeah, mine was really focused around competing. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I think it took me a long time to really find climbing for myself as my own thing. Right. Um, That was a process that, well, it's still really going on. But once I turned 15, I had this competition where I was just done. I just cried and said this is... 15? Yeah, 15. (laughs) Yeah. That was it, like this arc. I was like, like, I'm done with this. I cried and I said, this is not, I don't want to do this anymore. And then I started going to the bouldering gym because I just needed to do something different. Okay, so the competition climbing was rope climbing, was sport climbing. Rope climbing, yeah, for the first like four and a half to five years. Okay. Yep, and then competing. Mm -hmm. Uh, There wasn't a junior bouldering series at the time, so that was part of the reason Mm -hmm. that I really focused on root climbing. But then I was over it, and I I needed to change, and I was feeling like I wanted to be independent from, you know, everybody else, and feeling rebellious. I wasn't really a rebel, but you know, a little bit rebellious, and so I started going to the bouldering gym, mm-hmm. so because I could do it by myself, and I didn't want to compete, and I didn't want to do, you know, what I had been doing. Then I got involved in in the PCA competitions, okay, and that was a blast because it was so different from the youth in, competitions in what for way? me. Well, I was young. I was still 15 and there were, you know, the the adults were competing in these things. And so it was this really cool, I don't know, very intriguing world of, of these crazy adults, you know, competing and these crazy people throwing on these competitions, (laughs) putting on these competitions and throwing all this money into it. And it was just a scene that was really exciting for me as a 15 year old. I mean, it was the coolest thing out, you know, it was like, this is what all the... That's what the cool kids are doing. Right. Well, <laughs> yeah. I guess it just kind of, yeah, it feels more big time and, and, it did, and yeah. maybe less, I don't know, when you have young kids and parents there and, and sort of hovering and, and whatnot, yeah. you know, I I have friends who, you know, just coach like little soccer teams and stuff and they right. just, it, <laughs> yeah, it, all they like talk that. about is the parents, like right. how horrible it is right. to have them around right. and stuff. So. so yeah, the PCA was really, it was it's so far away from all of that and mm-hmm. that world that I had been in for four years. Right. That it was really intriguing and it was so fun because I, I didn't expect anything of myself. It was right. sort of that first experience of like going back to the beginning and after I had built up all this pressure for these youth comps and put all these expectations on myself, then I could just run off to PCA comp and suddenly it was fun again uh-huh. and that it was still competing but it was it was different it was so much different and it was a huge part of my early bouldering so really. you're only 15 or 16 starting these comps yeah and then did you are these you know having you travel more and go to other places and meet different people or you know, was there a difference, or were you doing that with the with the other comps? I was as well? doing that with the youth comps. I mean, I was traveling, but it was 
it was a little different with the PCA. You know, I would go out to the trade show back when the trade show was exciting for me. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm going to the to this trade show in Salt Lake City. And my parents didn't come with you me. You weren't all jaded about yeah, it. Yeah, I was yeah. all like, oh, I have to go like to the trade show is, again. Yeah, I, know. <laughs> you know, I was like, to go. You, you, it was really exciting back to, then. Yeah, it totally. was like, there's all this stuff going on and there's this competition and Lisa Rands is going to be there mm-hmm. and Chris Sharma and Nels and all these really strong people that I looked up to and mm-hmm. And the crowd's going to be there, and they're going to pack in, and they're going to scream, and it's going to be crazy. And for me, that was a d- totally different world. And it sure. was, it was, it, it provided a certain independence. I mean, I wasn't independent. I still traveled with my my coach figure person. Mm-hmm. She was an adult that, like, you know, my parents wouldn't just send me out there. I wasn't well, at that yeah, point you're only yet, sixteen but, years old or something. But 17, I was, yeah. you know, it felt like I was doing my own thing sure and i loved that and then well, yeah it was... i mean the independent thing whether your coach you know wasn't wasn't your dad or anything right right no yeah, it, was. So, it, was, it was somebody else I mean, a lot of times yeah. just leaving your parents yep. for the first time for an extended period yeah. is kind of what that's about yep. you know totally and a relationship with your coach you know obviously a th- authority figure but not the same as a relationship right more with of a parent. peer it yeah. felt like more of a peer right. peer to peer thing and we're going out there together and well, she I can would imagine compete that's too like so it was super yeah. intoxicating yeah like, it just was to be yeah yeah for a 16 17 year old it was it was really cool and that really drove my love for bouldering mm-hmm. more i think cuz it was exciting and it was something different and i wasn't really that good at it when i started i was pretty horrible but but then I went, to, you know, I kept I kept doing it and um, did okay in some of the PCAs, which kind of kept me going back and just that it was intriguing and it was exciting and yeah, and then I was back into the competitions again. So I didn't take I didn't really take any time away, right. but you changed it, sort I, of your I just focus, changed yeah. it. Yeah. Well, I like too this this idea that you as you know a relatively inexperienced person in this this particular competition scene it's i think it's really interesting how within climbing you can go and you know hang out with if not even compete directly with some of the best people in the sport you know it it would be like some if if some you know amateur high school baseball player could go play against the yankees like totally that can't (laughs) happen anywhere else but in climbing it can happen you know those the best of the sport aren't so far away from you that you can't sidle right. up next to them and say hello and yeah. like be like, Oh yeah, that's totally cool. Like, yeah. so, I mean, again, I, I'm peering into this world that I didn't, I didn't know as a kid, but it, it's so obvious to me to what, uh, was incredibly like exciting and, and, yeah. and cool about, yeah. you know, all those things. Cause if I was 17 and someone was like, you're going to go compete in front of these people in the, right. you know, in the <laughs> city you've never even been to. And it's yeah. going to be awesome. Like, that's pretty cool. It's pretty you cool, know? yeah. So. Yeah, it really was. It was, so, it was just exciting, and and I was, I just had so much fun at those things, and I uh, felt like I kind of felt like I was in my own world too, because then I'd go back to school. Nobody at my school climbed. You know, it was like these two completely different worlds. It was the one thing that I I really felt like I had. I was different, mm-hmm. and I liked that, and. It's not like that. I mean, climbing is so much more common now, but in Cincinnati in the 90s, if you saw another climber, you stopped and talked to them. Sure. You know, it's, it was a, a big deal to you – know, there was this very small community and just not a lot of us. It right. felt really special, actually, to be part of it. I think yeah. the, the people who are attracted to climbing, you know, that that's always been a draw of it yeah. is this sort of spe- feeling of 
of at least being in this sort of small, special kind of tribe because, yeah. you know, and you're in Cincinnati, but I used to live in Estes Park and, and knew like Tommy Caldwell when he was a little kid and, yeah. and worked with his dad and he, it was the same for him. And here's this town that's like got a huge history of climbing and, yeah. and I don't think he had a ton of like friends in high school that he was you know, going to the right. cliffs with. I mean, high school kids do different things. Like, yeah, yeah. I know. mean, I had like one friend that climbed with me. My best friend climbed, and he would come down and actually climb in the gym in our garage. But all my other friends would come and just do wrestling moves on the mats underneath. You know, sure. nobody was really that interested. And it's it's been really funny over the past ten years when I go back home to visit and go into the climbing gym, it was very consistent for like four years. I'd see somebody new from high school in the climbing gym oh, each right time. And they're like, oh, my gosh, I got into climbing. It's so cool. I remember you climbed in high school, and I oh, I wish I would have gotten into it earlier, you know? It was like, well, I tried to kind of tell people it was sure. cool, but it was just such a different world, and it wasn't easily accessible in, in Cincinnati. You know? Right, and I, again, like thinking about, you know, as I talk to all these climbers and have been doing it myself for so long, like, you know, a lot of times kids don't want to be different. Like, that's that's actually a big detriment, but it, I feel like a lot of the people who are attracted to climbing were people who, you know, were that other end of the spectrum that wanted to find something special and didn't necessarily want to fit in per se or yeah. wanted to have at least one aspect of their life that that they went to and like was kind of their secret world almost right. you know yeah and that's how it was and i i had a really it's funny because a lot of you know there's there are definitely people who got into climbing because they were rebellious and they were crazy and they wanted to do something that was that was extreme and it wasn't really that for me because i was pretty much like the most straight-laced teenager like typical overachieving suburban kid you know I, I everything in my life was so I felt that it had to be perfect and it was sort of my little my one way of feeling like I'm going to do something different and I'm scared to do something different but this is something that lets me be different in a relatively organized way sure. if that makes sense and that's what the competitions did too it was like this it legitimized this this thing that I was doing that was actually pretty drastically different than everybody else that I knew. But then I would go back to my school world and be the perfect little, little like, you know, blonde, bubbly, over, like, involved in everything, okay. overachieving, sure. straight-A student. And it was really two very different worlds. And, mm -hmm. and I liked that because I, I was able to escape that sort of bubble of feeling like I had to be this Midwestern... Uh, just fit this Midwestern model. Sure, sure. And yeah, yeah so you were a good student, and I was, yeah. I was, yeah, straight. At, yeah, I was very serious about getting good grades, and didn't really sleep much in high school. Looking back on it, because I was trying to climb and sing in an acapella group, and be involved in everything at school, and have a social circle that was huge, and get straight A's. So sure. It was a, I had a lot going on, and I tried really, really hard to. I really just felt like I had to fit this mold, and that was hard. But climbing was my escape from that. Right, I was going to ask that. Like, yeah, is, is this like ended up being some sort of pressure valve to 
to to get out like get rid of the, some of the pressure in elsewhere the biggest way yes it that's i mean i'm i'm doing the my whole presentation on saturday night is basically about that okay about breaking away from from that and all those expectations that i put on myself and that i felt were put on me and and without climbing, I don't think I would have ever escaped that. Right. I'm still trying to escape that. You're I, I don't think trying it's trying to be a slacker. I don't think it's something that that is easy to. Uh, it, it, I mean, God, when you're raised that way, it's like I was talking to Chris about Chris Hampton about this this morning, and and you know he was he's Midwesterner, kind of understands that, and a lot of people do. It's not just a Midwestern thing, sure. but you know this was very. I think of it as so typically Midwestern that. It's just so hard to escape when you've been raised that way for so long. You mm-hmm. have to like reprogram your brain to think a different way and realize. But that's why climbing has been. I just it's saved me from from myself really and from that from really trying to fit into that mold uh-huh. that I that I don't feel that I really fit into. So I was always forcing it, and climbing is the one thing that has helped me to really see that I don't have to do it that way. Uh huh. Did you ways. ever? Uh, did you ever blow up? Did you ever break down? Uh yeah, all the time. Uh-huh. Just not in front of anybody. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would, I would have like, I, I remember, I just get, I would get so stressed out, and I'd have breakdowns, you know, all the time, late at night, usually when I was trying to finish a homework assignment uh-huh. or something, and um, I was actually involved in. Uh, this this group at school called uh, it was called stress group. I'm not kidding. It's like ridiculous that it existed. It's probably a good thing it did, but it was for all these kids who were doing what I was doing. Too, too many things, mm-hmm. trying to do them all perfectly, um, but at the same time wanting to fight that and, and knowing that that wasn't exactly what we wanted to be. So we all got together. the The school counselor organized it i guess she saw that there were all these poor like 15 and 16 year olds out there like beating their heads against the wall trying to be perfect and doing too much and she got us all together in this stress group and we would go and it was actually really really cool i was looking back it was it had an impact on my high school career for sure and we would just sit down and we just all talk about like what we were stressed about i mean it's just a classic like you know group session but it gave us all a, a sort of an avenue to be to question the the model that right. we were that we were being raised in not question it too much but like begin to right. question it you know and i look back to the people that were in that group and i just think yeah those are those are some of the people that ended up doing something they did do do different things you know in the end we we were all trying to escape something we just didn't know exactly what and we didn't know how right and I don't mean to bash the. I I love the Midwest, sure. and I would not have it any other way. I, being raised there was is one of the most important pieces of me for sure. Well, I I think it's just the frame the you're frame looking is, through because yeah, you know, it, there's kids in Dallas, Texas that that you know. I guess that's sort of the Midwest. I don't know, but they have right. the same problem. There's kids sure, in school a, in LA yep. that have the same problem. Yeah, but, definitely. But coming from Chicago, and I was not that person. Right. But I was friends with those people yeah. because I had that. I was the kid who who uh, you know the teachers kept saying like you really should be in the this other higher class or you should or I would be in those classes but I would you know be bringing up the rear because I wouldn't do my right. homework and stuff. Right. But, but I was like smart alecky enough to like 
get by yeah. on charm. <laughs> but then I ended up being friends. And, and I was going to ask you about this stress group, although this is far afield from what we started with. But was it, what was the ratio of girl to guy in there? Uh, there were definitely more girls, but there were a couple of guys. Okay. There were like probably like three guys and six or seven girls, I think. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the reason I asked that is because I was also a high school teacher for five yeah. years. And and thinking back to, to, to then, like those people, that they're in all schools. Sure. And, exactly. And, I, I, and most of the girls I knew were the ones that were just like wound up the tightest. Yep. And I, I don't know why that is. I, I, it's probably, you know, partially just the way they're built. But it, and maybe there's like this sort of modern expectation on, on women that's a yeah. little different than boys. But And as a high school teacher, it was the same way. Most of my – when I asked you about, you know, did you ever just like fully break down? Like, <laughs> you know, I had students that happened to like on a, some serious levels, sure. you know. And it was, again, mostly girls with these huge expectations on them or put on themselves, you know. So my question is, and we're a field here, but, you know, how aware were your parents of this, this like, struggle that you were dealing with? I, I think they probably knew, but I'm not really sure. I think my mom, it, you know, she acknowledged it more as, mm-hmm. like, she would check in, make sure I wasn't too stressed out and really try to help me with, like, my stress level. Um, but I think I was pretty, pretty good at, at looking Just like it was all, on your face it was and, all okay. Yeah. Everything was good. And it was like, there were so many good things about, about growing up and I loved high school in general. I had sure. a ton of friends. I was really social. Uh, I was involved in a lot of things and I liked a lot of the things I was involved in and there were so many good things about it, but it's just turned into sort of looking back at it is, is really interesting because I, I just realized like how long it's taken me to break away from that and still trying, mm-hmm. um, but still love some parts of it that I do want to hold on to. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, it's ser- it, in the end, it serves you like yes, being, being motivated and <laughs> yeah, like getting being things super done, type you know? a, right, like, right. it's not always bad. <laughs> there's certainly a service in it. Right. So let's, I'm going to bring this back to climbing a couple yeah. of things of what you said um, interests me a great deal because you mentioned when you when you were in the youth climbing uh, competitions and you had the 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 final one where you're like I'm done with this. You said something about wanting to or that you found bouldering was something that you could do for yourself and and that's the kind of interesting thing I see with youth climbers or youth anything really is that you know there's they talk about sort of in, intrinsic and extrinsic motivations and. Personally, you know, like high school sports or high school activities, a lot of it is extrinsic. You've got a, you've got parents that are, yeah. are sort of, you've got a coach, you've got this this structure that you talked about. A competition structure is an extrinsic motivation, you know, to 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 place higher and to be. And climbers, all of them need to switch over like you did and start yeah. to move into this like, well, do I do this because I love it, and. You know, when I hear about or someone's like, yeah, this like 13 year old climbed 514 or 5 billion, whatever, you know, I'm like, that's really cool. But in my mind, I'm like, well, talk to me when they're 25. Yep, exactly. Because, you know, one in 50 is going to going to climb after after that competition stuff breaks down or all that, you know, when they're 25 and they climb 514 and, and only their friends care. And not totally. the whole world doesn't go, we are yeah. 12 and you climb 514. Like, 
so going back to your situation, you you know what happened after high school? What did you decide to do when yeah. you turned eighteen and and it was time to? I mean, you must have had good grades and probably offers here and there around the country. And yeah, I, so what um, did that look like as you've as you've moved into yeah. like out of that structured situation? Yeah, so. I I began, I mean, I did go through that process of sort of rediscovering climbing for myself a little bit through starting to boulder, but it was still, you know, I was still competing and still mm-hmm. doing that. And, and there was still this like, okay, I'm climbing now, but what am I going to do? Really? Really? What am I going to do? Mm-hmm. That, that was what I always thought. Well, okay. What am I going to do? Cause I'm not going to climb forever. I really did still think that in, in high school, um, like in my junior year and then it came time to look at schools and I had been out to Boulder for some climbing camps and I just knew there was just something inside of me that knew I really wanted to break away and and college was the opportunity for me to to make that decision to do something really different and I remember vividly the night that I decided where I was going to go to school and I intentionally looking back, it was very intentional. Didn't apply to a lot of schools. Mm-hmm. I applied to one in Ohio and I applied to the university of Colorado and okay. that was it. And all of my friends were applying to millions of schools and I had great grades and I had a good ACT score and SAT score and whatever you need. And I was involved in this and that. And I just remember, I think I was really setting myself up for that opportunity to, it's, you know, it wasn't very, I, I didn't, think about it in that way at the time. But looking back, I was really setting myself up to, to make that big decision to break away. And I just remember the night when I decided I was talking to one of my friends and I had been accepted to both of the schools, one in Ohio and one in Colorado. And I was the the kid who like couldn't even go away to summer camp without being homesick. You know, it was, Uh I hated leaving home. I just hated it. And it made me anxious and it was so hard and then there was a night and I was on the phone and I was standing in the middle of my bedroom and talking to a really good friend, climber, um, at the time. And it just clicked. And I just, I knew I was going to Colorado and that was it. And I made up my mind and, and that was the really, the real turning point for me. It was like, I'm going to Colorado for school, but I'm going to Colorado because of climbing. And this is going to be like my big escape. So to speak, you know, it wasn't nearly as simple as that, but, um, that really led me towards rediscovering climbing as something that I really love, but it still took a while Right. because even once I got to Colorado, I was doing the competitions. I was doing well in the competitions. Um, I won some national competitions that year and I was still pretty miserable. Like uh-huh. I was well, homesick. It was like go, a huge change. Exactly. You, so. you don't, you don't run away from yourself. So yeah, it took a long time and it actually took a serious like injury for me to really get to that point where I felt like I rediscovered climbing and I wanted to be climbing and mm-hmm. it was like a hundred percent for me. And, and I do look at these kids. I do the same, same thing you're saying. It's like, you know, that they have to go through, everybody goes through that process, especially if you start that young of like reassessing why, why the hell am I doing this? Like, mm-hmm. what am I doing? What is this? And for me, that didn't really happen until I had been in Colorado for, for like a while. It was a slow process, but then the, the being injured and having to come back was like the, the real, real turning point of Mm -hmm. now I'm doing this because I want to be doing this. Well, I, I really, you know, again, like this is interesting to me because 
my path to Colorado actually was somewhat similar in that I I was in Chicago or Libertyville, Illinois, anyway, suburb, yeah. not unlike where you Suburbs, were. Suburbs, yeah. And uh, <laughs> you know, I'm I'm picturing your your high school like really close to what my high school was yep. like. You know, upper middle class, like oh, yeah. public school, but still like really really nice, competitive. Yep. And, competitive, yeah. But I was the rebel. I was the rebel kid, right. and I wanted to leave for maybe different reasons, but. I did the same thing in terms of like, well, I'm going to this Colorado place because that's where there's mountains and things like yeah. that. I mean, it's in the songs and, you know, yeah, you there's songs the, about it. And if you look at the map, it gets all green and bumpy <laughs> right, over it's there. cool you know? over there. <laughs> so yep. I, I really can like, like, uh, identify with that. But I also like this fact that on the ex, I don't like it, but it's interesting to me. That's a better way to put it. This, this exterior that probably seemed so, perfect like she gets great grades she gets to choose wherever she wants to go and like just so successful and has all these friends and yet here's this inner world that like you know yeah i mean as an adult i understand it yeah and as a teacher i understood it but yeah. i didn't necessarily see it going on because we're also like you know self-centered when we're that age anyway yeah. but i think it's really fascinating to realize that these kids around me that seem perfect were struggling as well and i yeah. i know that now because like i said i've seen them blow up i've seen them yep. crack open and and uh but yep. i can imagine that when you got to to college you 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 know you started overachieving yeah. classes and just went right back into for boom, sure boom, boom. it was like nothing nothing really changed that much and i was actually really depressed when i moved because it was such a i, I kind of got there and i was i had this like really like yeah this is what i'm doing and it was one of those moments in my life and i was like oh yeah i got this this mm -hmm. is like big change i cut all my hair off like for some reason that was like this symbolic sure. you know like the classic Cut my hair off. Yeah, you guys like my blonde hair, whatever. I'm yeah. taking, I'm cutting it off, leaving it. So I cut all my hair off and, uh, that was some, you know, big thing for me. Cause I had always, it was just like, I'm breaking away from this. I'm, I'm doing it. And then, and then I remember getting out there and I had to go do some things and I had to like open a bank account and do all these like little, you know, adult things the first couple of weeks I was in Colorado and I was driving to do all this stuff and I just had like one of those horrible breakdowns where I was like what the fuck am I doing this is crazy I can't do this I'm I, I just melted and and it was like the moment of it all catching up and like oh my god what did I do <laughs> like, right oh, what did I do what did I do so I did I like went back into that world of of um overachieving like okay winning the comps and and it and I wasn't happy mm -hmm. I mean I remember sitting outside of my dorm room and just on the phone with my mom just crying I just won like two of the nationals that year and I said I won and I'm not happy and, and now all I can do like if I don't win then it's just downhill like I the only thing I can do to maintain is to keep winning and mm -hmm. it was just all the same stuff it was all right. still there it, it didn't go away I mean and I, I guess the rational part of me knew that it wouldn't go away just because I moved, right. but, but yeah, it was, uh, it got worse before it got better for sure. So, so what kind of, uh, I mean, so you arrive in, 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 uh, Boulder, this is what, like late nineties, uh, 2003, 2003. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah. I'm not doing all the math that well, but, <laughs> but so, yeah, that was when, yeah. So, I mean, you've arrived into an extraordinarily established, established climbing. I mean, you know, yeah. like multi-generational yeah. climate community. What was that like to, to arrive? I mean, were you welcomed into that community? Did you have peers right away? Did you, you know, what was that like as well? Um, it was really intimidating. And, and <laughs> did, did you, 
did it fulfill expectations or not? Yeah, it was. Um, so I knew a couple people. Like I knew Emily Harrington. She was one of my friends at the time already because I knew her through the youth circuit, and that was actually a comfort. Like, okay, at least I know somebody there. Like I know Emily. We, mm-hmm. you know, she's my friend, and we can we can hang out. And um, but it was really intimidating. Uh, you know, aside from a few people, I I felt very out of place, and the community was so much bigger than what I was used to. It was really overwhelming. I was used to going into the gym and having my five buddies that I climbed with, like sure. the crew that shows up on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Right. And we all climb together. And it's like with the guys usually because there weren't a ton of women in, mm-hmm. in the gym climbing where I grew up. And it's like going to Boulder was a, a totally different world. And I was really intimidated. And I kind of kept to myself for the most part. I just I remember I would spend all the time in the gym. I was in the gym all the time. I was there on Friday nights and people would make fun, you know, people laugh. Oh, Friday night, big Friday night. Like first year of college, and here you are at the climbing gym. <laughs> I didn't know what else to do. I was so out of my element that climbing was the one thing that was like familiar. Mm-hmm. So that's what I did, and yeah, I just kept doing it. And I mean, slowly I did make friends, but like I said, I was bummed. I was bummed that I'd left. You know, I was like, what did I do? I left home. There were there were moments when I thought maybe I'd move back. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a lot of trouble with like, I was climbing a ton. I lost a bunch of weight, struggled with that. It was the classic, you know, leaving home and, and feeling totally lost. What, where am I? Mm-hmm. Where? I, I slowly like met friends and my, my roommate was really awesome. So I hung out with her a lot and that was like the saving, saving grace of that year probably was that I had a really good friend in my roommate. Sure. So. I mean, it was helpful. And that honestly yeah. could be, could have been a thing that broke it. Too. Yeah. Like if, if they were heinous, you know, yeah, like, I know it, it really could have been. There's that, a lot of things yeah. that could have like pushed it in the other direction for sure. I think, I don't know if this is, this is like a good thing or the right way, like the way it should be. But I also think it was helpful that I was strong. I know that sounds weird, but like in the community, I felt like I was intimidated by the size of the community, but I, I was, I felt like being strong helped me to feel comfortable. It, not that it should be that way, but that's, that was my one thing that was like, you know, okay, here I am and I'm going to try really hard and I'm a good climber and I can, I can do this and I can fit in here and Mm -hmm. I can do, you know, like, because I have climbing, I'm going to fit in. And I was very uninvolved in the school world. So climbing was, climbing was it. And and I do think that helped that I I wish it wasn't that way, but I do think it helped. Well, I mean, I think I think being good at something, whether, you know, if you were to have arrived on a music scholarship and right. and it turned out that you were one of the good violinists or whatever, it, it, you know, that, that's a comfort. It was. I mean, it's a place Huge to go. Comfort, and yeah. I think, ref, you know, to to sort of reflect on it negatively. You, I, that sort of falls into that trap of like, you know, our inner person is worth more than our outer right. person. That <laughs> yeah. seems like, but I, that just seems completely normal. And, and to be honest with you, I mean, the, the, the boulder scene or any huge climbing scene like that, like, you know, that is part of the interaction of, you know, who's good and who's not as right. good and who's a beginner and who's coming up. So that's just natural to me, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, I, and I can imagine that, you know, there was an, a, a at least a sort of accepting nod from some of the people around like, Oh, she yeah. knows what she's doing. Like, right. you know, yeah. and, and you're right. I guess it is unfortunate that everyone can't just welcome everyone into right, the fold, right. but 
you know, the truth but is. But that is, was. Yeah. The other violinists don't want to play with a crappy violinist. It makes them sound worse, you know? Yeah, so, I mean, it it was... That really helped me get through the first year. Was there Um, any sort of, like... You mentioned sort of keeping to yourself and and maybe being a little bit uh, closed up. Was there, like, a backlash against that in in terms of being able to make friends or or be accepted into the climbing community? Uh, It's hard to say because I was not on the outside of it, you know? So. I'm not sure if people are like, oh, she's so quiet. Who's that girl? Like, what? I wasn't that quiet, right, but right. I was pretty quiet. I was right. pretty, like, pretty uncomfortable with being there. And well, um, Yeah, well, the reason I ask is, I, I mean, was, I like to yeah. think of climbing as, as being this all-accepting thing because, you know, traditionally it's had all these weirdos in it. Right. And, and, but, but I think that applies to sort of my vision of, of the past yeah. in a way. And, you know, walking into a gym and – a place where there's competitions, it's like automatic to to, to go pecking order. And, yep. and as a as a high school teacher, you know, you guys were not in high school anymore, but things don't change that much. You right. Know? right. And I, I <laughs> things can, don't just suddenly change yeah. between and your I, senior I year and your... I see, like, the quiet kid, boy or girl, yeah. you know, some people, ah, oh, she's a bitch. Right. And it's like, it turns out, no, she's just terribly shy. Yeah. You know, or he, you know, that kid's a, a loser, but right. no, he's, he's just got his own thing going on, you yeah. know, so... I was just curious, like yeah. I mean, I think that I I started to like come out of my shell a little bit, and I wasn't totally totally shy, but I was relatively um, pretty. I was pretty kept to myself pretty much that year, I would okay. say. And um, yeah, I could just because it was weird, and I don't think people knew the difference because in high school I was really outgoing. I was the drifter, you know, the friend friends with all the, all the crowds kind of that, like I wasn't super popular, but I was friends with the popular kids. I wasn't super dorky, but I was friends with the dorky kids. I was friends with the drama kids and friends with the, I mean, I was kind of like that all in between person. And when I came to Colorado, I didn't feel like I was that at all anymore, but nobody knew the difference because nobody knew me before. Right. So, you know, I was like, (laughs) okay, I was trying to recreate myself in a way, but um, but I was bummed, man. I was just bummed. Huh. I was so bummed that year to be away from home because all of a sudden it was like, like I said, it was just lost. Like, wow, what did I do? This is crazy. So why, why am I so like everybody else stayed in Cincinnati and here I am like trying to do my own thing, but being terrified of it at the same time. <laughs> so I just went to my comfort zone, like back into the competitions. Oh, tried to, you know, get, get my straight A's at school, uh, yeah, that was my life for the first year of college. Didn't oh. drink, didn't do anything. I mean, I, yeah, it was like high school continued. Yeah, <laughs> minus the social, minus the like great social life, minus you the know. Good parts. <laughs> <laughs> kind of yes, <laughs> but then I discovered um, the real. One of the things that really saved me was um, starting to climb outside. Okay, yeah, good because that was yep. going to be my next question. Yeah. Not just climbing outside, but you know, you're you're still in Boulder to this day. Yep, I am. And so something happened. Something changed. Yeah, so yeah, let's talk about that a little um, bit. Part of what changed is that, uh, so I was struggling pretty hard and um, was really, like, lost a lot of weight, like I said. And my parents got really worried. And they said, if you don't change something, you're coming home. And that scared me. I was like, okay, whoa. That, that sort of woke me up. It's like, no, I want to stay here. I want to stay here. So, like, really uncharacteristic of me, I called up this guy from the climbing gym that, that I knew, and I'd seen him. He'd worked at the front desk. We were friends. And I said, hey, you want to go to Waco? And I just called him, like, literally at the gym. This is something I would never do. I said, you want to go to Waco? 
I said, uh, well, yeah, when? I was like, like, over Christmas this? break. <laughs> yeah, who, who is this? <laughs> your name is. And I was like, uh, yeah, I'm looking for somebody to go with. I thought maybe you'd be going. And he said, yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, I'll go. And so we went on this trip together. We ended up dating for five years. So, like, that was a big it, – it, that wasn't, like, the thing that changed it. But my parents sort of saying, look, if you if something doesn't change, you're not healthy. You need to come home. So I I was like, nope, I'm not coming home. And went on this this climbing trip. Uh, really loved climbing outside in Waco. It's just in heaven. Like, this is awesome. This is so cool. And then after that, really started going outside more in Colorado and kind of discovering, like, this. it's, it's a whole other world. You know, it's like I, I really came to Colorado not knowing what there was. In ter- I knew there was a lot of climbing, but I didn't know much about it. Mm-hmm. So I knew there were gyms. Right. I climbed in the gyms. Which is funny for a lot of people to hear, I'm sure, but I really did that. And and then I sort of discovered this world. And that kind of got me outside in Colorado, and I, I just fell in love with it. I mm-hmm. fell in love with being out there in the mountains and going up there every day and climbing and really started started projecting things and loved pro- – I love projecting things. Um, so that whole process started, and that turned a, that turned a lot of things around for me. And – and then I got hurt, and that changed things a lot, too. That was part of the, the, you know, falling back in love with the sport again when I came back. And So yeah. why? What did that look like? The, the, the being hurt and not being able to climb made you jump yeah. for it and yep. realize, like, without it, this yep. is, you know, this is something I want to, like, I got to have in my yep. life. Yeah, it, it really was. It was, I had never been without climbing since I was 11. What you, was it a, a climbing injury? Like yeah, a climbing injury. Or? I um I just fell in the, it was, it was a really rough time. It was so I had been in Colorado for five years, cl- started climbing outside a ton, was still competing, but was really like getting psyched on being outside too and doing that a lot. Still in school because I took some time off and traveled for like a semester. So I was going through school really slowly and um, ended up having just this fall in the gym that I missed the pad. It was like a silly little, you know, silly thing and um, wrecked my ankle and... A week later, broke up with my boyfriend, <laughs> and uh, it was just—it was like one of those, you know, the the second rough time. But um, it sort of forced me to to rest. Obviously, I had to have surgery eventually, and and when I came back, I've never felt so happy to be climbing. That was the moment when it was really clear to me that I needed and wanted to be doing this. For for me, that was the the first time that I felt like this is my thing. I'm right, climbing entirely. because I want to. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, and so yeah, that was the best thing that ever happened. Really, was the injury. It was horrible at the time. Obviously, sure. it always is. It sucks. But when I came back, I had this appreciation for the sport that I just I just never had before, and I was just so happy to be climbing. I was horribly weak, and I'd been off for eight months, but it's mm-hmm. like I don't care. I'm climbing, and this is what I want to be doing. So that was a huge, huge turning point in my climbing. Was that. So in this period, are you, at, or not just this period, but previously as well, this five years, or were you ever living as a professional climber? I mean, were you ever making a living at it? I know you're, you know, no. you have sponsors and you're yeah. sort of reasonably well known, but obviously it's nearly impossible to do that. So Yeah, I was just in school. I was making a little bit of money from competitions. Sure. Um, but I wasn't making an effort to like, okay, I'm going to be a sponsored climber now. Mm-hmm. I was still competing a lot, but I had school and, uh, was getting, I was getting help from my parents and I was also working, uh, 
at an animal clinic. Mm -hmm. So I worked like 20 hours a week, was in school, and then climbed. Okay. And yeah, made, you know, made sure. ends meet Just that way yeah. until I was out of school. I and mean, then is once, there such thing yeah. as like a only making money as a professional boulderer? I, I, I don't know. Um, maybe. Ooh, By Daniel, I don't maybe, do it. Yeah. So maybe there's Daniel a couple. Woods, maybe, yeah. 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 Um, but. but yeah, I mean, well, I mean, I guess that now I kind of I'm I'm trying to do that sure. now because I'm in this weird limbo state and in between and it's hard. I, I know there are a few people who do mm -hmm, it, mm -hmm. but uh, I wasn't doing it at that time. No, I was I was in school. So this second hard time, the second yeah, way, yeah, the, the broken the, ankle, the, broken the ankle, breaking yeah. up a long term relationship, yeah. um, you know, which kind of fits a little bit again, like breaking away even to even it's more myself my own thing now because yeah. i think a lot of a lot of couples you know maybe get together climbing together then one person's more into it less into yeah. it and sort of drags each other along totally. so <laughs> now, now you're just like okay this is completely my mm -hmm. own thing at least for the moment yep how long ago was that um that was like in 2009 okay so yeah, pretty like, recently yeah like five years ago and so yeah. you know we're we're actually we've we've been going quite some time here this is really fascinating I'm, I'm really glad that you're you're being so personal and opening up about this stuff because i know there's there's people out there like i just said that we all see as being like oh they've got the perfect setup but to hear you you know talk about yeah. this inner world that's just a mess yeah no offense yeah i'm not times. trying to be a yeah. downer here right. but it, I mean, it's I just think something i never get to really talk about yeah and i think it's important because yeah, it's it's just part of it all, you know, and it's it's really helped. Um, I mean, going through it all has just been part of the whole process. Right. I'm so glad I did. <laughs> so let's talk about your place now. You know, maybe starting three years ago, where where you're at with with climbing at this moment, and you know where you think sort of you fit into the community, and yeah. and maybe you know what 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 you're looking at for the future because here you are have emerged. And now climbing is this, obviously, you got to have it in your life. And yeah. Is it going to stick around? And what are you going to do with it? Yeah, it's going to stick around. Uh, I'm, I'm convinced of that now. Uh, so I'm in a niche, I would say, bouldering. Mm -hmm. um, well, you know, before you, I interrupt you, but thinking about, you know, 2003 or whatever, you know, in the, this when you went to Waco about that time. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, like it did really position you, I think, in this resurgence of bouldering. Yeah. You know, because it's Definitely. it's become like almost the biggest part of media. Yeah. Um, I think for a bunch of different reasons. But you know, so you kind of were poised at least in this latest I mean, that was ten years ago, but this yeah. growing interest in, yeah, that's true. in it. So um uh, anyway, so yeah, now we so are ten I was. years later. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And um I still am Almost exclusively bouldering, I would say. Mm -hmm. uh, love going outside, but still do the competitions a lot. Okay, I'm kind of one. I'm one of those people that I'm not ashamed to admit that I love climbing inside and I love climbing outside. Mm -hmm. um, climbing inside for me can be just as awesome as climbing outside. And I have, in the past couple of years, sort of started to explore some other things. Um, I went on a big trip to Greenland a couple of years ago. And that was really huge for me, just to see something completely different. And I didn't climb anything big out there, but we kind of tried to do, go some at this peak. Who did you go hike. with? Um, Michael Becky and Ethan Pringle. Oh, okay. And Keith Lidzinski was the right, photographer. Right. Yeah. And that was huge for me, just to see this other I remember other the world. images. Yeah. Keith's images. Gorgeous, yeah. gorgeous place. And that really did 
spark this interest in, well, what else is out there? I mean, it's a classic, just, wow, this place is amazing. What other amazing places can I go see? And how can climbing be a part of that? So I think that I'm definitely a little bit more interested in um, being able to be a little more versatile. I'm still totally in love with bouldering. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I just love it. I love being able to go out by myself if I want to. Um, I really love trying to do hard moves and the subtleties of it all and uh, the independence of it. And But I, I am interested in being able to do different things when I go to really cool places. Right. So I think that would be the motivating factor to sort of explore more. I mean, I know there's so much more to climbing, obviously. I just, I'm just in love with bouldering. Well, yeah, and, <laughs> and you know, to be... The truth is, is to be great at any one of them, unless you're, you know, one of those absolutely rare individuals who yeah. we all know a couple of. Yeah. You you really do have to focus. But, yep. you know, Chris mentioned this, Schulte mentioned this, you know, Lynn Hill mentioned this. Like, the fact is, is that, you know, when you're ready to change, you can just change. It's not yep. so much different. Yeah, and it's really cool. And the world is full of, you know, these opportunities in climbing. Yep. And, you know, if you got your rope out, it's not like, you know, you'd be back to climbing five, six, you know, right, like, right. You're there's, gonna, it's there's a ton it out, of room. You know? And that is one of the really cool things about climbing. There's, and I, I know that, you know, if there's a time when I'm, when I'm a little bit more tired of like, oh, I don't want to be bouldering as much. There's a hundred other things I could go do in sure. climbing. And, and I know a lot of people that would be willing to help me with that. And I feel lucky that I have, that we have that community that's like, okay, cool. You want to try this? Sure. Let's go. Mm -hmm. And yeah. So the trip to Greenland really sparked that okay, there's so much more. And I, I knew that, but I can see how it would be applicable here, you know? Wow, it'd be cool if I could climb that tower because it's gorgeous and I'm in the middle of nowhere. Sure. I get that. I like I, I got that feeling of that when I stood there and looked at it. Okay, yeah, I get it. Like, this is why people climb towers. Okay. <laughs> yeah, because that's cool. I could see being on top of that would probably be pretty cool. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Well, we started this conversation pretty much talking about your dad, brother, bringing you into the gym. Yeah. So you're now sort of a, you know, sponsored climber, but you've got other things going on. You're sort of making your life work in, in Boulder. You didn't have to be recalled to Cincinnati. That's um, right. They didn't take me back. <laughs> they didn't take you back or force you back. <laughs> but, you know, just where, where are, is your family with, with like the interest in what you're doing and, you know, yeah. is your dad like happy he started you going down uh, this a good path? Question. Or is he, it's a really I mean, good question. Um, without, you know, getting into yeah, the yeah, I won't go to arguments too many details, that you've but had. Like, but. Um, I, my family has always been really supportive. I mm -hmm. have to say, like, my I wouldn't be here without my parents. Really, they were supportive of me being in Colorado, and that was huge, you know, just to leave and have their support and their blessing of like, okay, yeah, go do it. Um, but there was always this underlying, like, okay, but what are you going to do after that? Sure. What else are you going to do? And it's something that I, I still struggle with, but there is more. A lot of things have changed recently um, in my life and my family, and there's this new feeling of genuine support from my parents mm -hmm. that wasn't there before, which is really cool. Um, and finally, I had a conversation with my dad recently that it was the first time that he has, he has said, why don't you do something with climbing? Instead of what else are you going to do? Right. And th then that is, that has been a huge turning point for me just to, cause all along I've been getting there in my own brain, you know, 
well, there's these other options. Why am I so stuck in this one way? And just to hear it, you know, I wish that I didn't feel that I really, that that made a huge difference, but it does. It has been really cool to hear my parents sort of coming around to this. Oh, look at you. What are you going to do with that kind of thing? And, sure. and not feeling like, okay, is it out of your system yet? Right, right, <laughs> right, 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 right. They, they acknowledge now that, that this is, this is where I am and this is like what I do and, uh-huh. and I love it and they know that and they are really supportive of it. You know, I guess throughout the arc of this, that was on the back of my mind, you know, yeah, starting with, coming, with this idea of, yep. you know, being this, this kind of on the, the Midwest path to success yep. and you getting <laughs> off it, you know, and I'm like, oh, off. my parents are probably like, wow, yeah, yep. but you know, the truth is, is on the stage last night here in Lander, you know, I had an ER doc who yep. climbs 514 right. and has two kids and, yep. you know, so there's ways, there actually are ways, you know, if you wanted to like exactly. tap into that type yeah. A person that's still living it's inside still, of you. And, I, and that, seeing people, to do those yeah, things, you know? that's, that's the coolest part about like the climbing community. There's everything. You see mm-hmm. it all. Mm-hmm. And it, whatever way I mix it, however I end up doing it, I don't know what it's going to look like. And this is the first time that I've been really okay with saying, yeah, I don't know what it's going to look like. And I always had to have a plan when I was younger and up until now, it's like, what's the plan? What's the plan? And this is the first time that I've really stepped back and just said, there will be something else and I will be, I'm going place, like I'm going somewhere and I don't know what it's going to look like and I'm okay with that right now. And I just have to sort of figure out the way that I'm going to do it instead of the way that I think I should do it. Well, that's a great way to end. That's a great place yeah. to end the conversation. And uh, I really appreciate you coming in. It's yeah. been it's been really fun to talk to you. Thank and you for having me. I'm glad that you you felt uh, comfortable to to let us all know about yeah, that. Yeah, that's I think that's one of the more intimate be... uh, looks at Angie Payne that you'd probably ever see. All right, that's what I'm here for. So thanks a lot, Angie. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> All right, everybody, thanks for listening. I want to thank Angie again for being so open and personal. After uh, we turned the mics off, she expressed surprise even herself at uh, how deep she'd gone. So I think it's helpful to hear that kind of stuff from someone who's so good at something that we admire um, that it wasn't necessarily all that easy for. makes us all feel a little bit more human, I think. And, uh, yeah, if you see Angie, you're going to want to give her a big hug after that. But don't, at least not without asking, all right? Okay, folks, uh, remember, if you want to help out the Enormacast, you can go to enormacast.com and click on the Help Out tab. Lots of suggestions there of things to do to help the uh, the Enormacast on its path to world domination. I got an email from Belgium last week, a sticker request from Hungary. Been sending them out to Norway, to Sweden, to Finland. That's yeah, been pretty awesome. So that's the cool thing about the internet. It goes everywhere, pretty much. Oh, heard from a guy in Israel and a whole bunch of other places in the past. Korea, crazy places, even Canada. Yes, folks, our numbers are growing. The community is strong. Hopefully you guys are having a great summer out there. Or if you're on the other side of the world, in the other hemisphere, hope you're having a great winter because that's how far this thing goes. And no matter where you are, and what you're doing, if it involves a rope and getting high off the ground, it can be dangerous. 
So do not forget to check your knot. They're not literally his children. They're the little Lebowski urban achievers, inner city children of promise, but without the necessary means for a necessary means for a higher education. So Mr. Lebowski is committed to sending all of them to college. Excuse me. Thank you. Thank you. Fire out. I think he's got room for one more.